Hey, Risto here at George Mason University. Um, I am here with Dr. Jen Jacobs from Northern Illinois University. Um, and this is a companion podcast to the podcast uh, right after this. Um, it talks about self-efficacy theory by Bandura. And um, we were recording the podcast and I felt like it was good to kind of pull this out um, as a resource for people to kind of understand the four, uh, four parts of self-efficacy theory. So um, I'll let Jen take it away. Uh, this example is in the, in the context of pickleball. So for those of you who have played pickleball, you can kind of maybe relate to that. So uh, short theory breakdown. The episode after this is on self-efficacy experiences of graduate students working a sport-based leadership program at a youth prison. So it kind of relates to, to that article, but you can also um, take this as a standalone understanding of self-efficacy theory. Thanks. Yeah. And, and before, uh, before we started recording, you talked about your love for self-efficacy theory. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you can kind of run us through this concept of self-efficacy and the relevance to effectively training and, and retaining the program leaders in the program. Yeah, it's my all-time favorite theory. Um, my undergraduate students know I, I, I circle and highlight and star this on their sports psychology syllabus because it's, it's the big day in class because I love teaching about it. Um, so. For those that are unfamiliar with it, so self-efficacy theory was created by Albert Bandura. It's one of the most foundational psych theories out there, and it essentially describes how capable you feel completing a specific task. So in a way, it's like confidence, but it's much more situation specific. Um, and it really looks at creating self-beliefs about succeeding or failing. So how is that not important for everybody all the time everywhere i i'm not sure like if we know what makes us think we can be successful like what can't we do i i just think it's so important um not everybody agrees but um i'll i'll try to i'll try to get the endorsement going higher um but i, I think it's cool because it does create a roadmap for how you can believe in yourself but also people like educators like us how do we create a climate to help individuals feel like they can be capable, competent, and connected to their careers. Mm -hmm. And so there's four sources that feed your self-efficacy. And I thought we could maybe test what this might look like for you, Risto, um, with trying out a new sport. I'm curious if you've ever played pickleball before. I have played pickleball before. Shoot. <laughs> well, would you consider yourself a beginner or somewhere farther along? The I would say very beginner. Great. Let's go with that. Um, so so pickleball is my recent obsession. I, I play it more days than I'm willing to tell you. Um, and I like to use some sort of exercise with my students and we'll try this with you to help see what are the sources that help you decide if you are a good pickleball player. So the first source of self-efficacy, the strongest source of self-efficacy is, do you have accomplishments in your past performance related to pickleball? So tell us a little bit about your background with pickleball. I have very few accomplishments in pickleball. Uh, <laughs> I played it with some faculty at Cal State Fullerton because we were just trying to get some physical activities together that we could do as kind of like 
camaraderie and also get some exercise in the middle of the day. Um, mm-hmm. But I am not good at pickleball. I okay. I talk a mean game, but <laughs> when I'm I'm very exposed. I like playing two v two because the other person can kind of carry me. Sure. Yes. Okay, so you're already pointing out some important things. So you've mentioned you're not good at it. So you do have this self-belief of a bit of failure, which could be negative. But recognizing that having a team member or a teammate can be helpful as well. So you're starting to think about how things have happened in the past that is going to generate your future success or failure. Mm -hmm. But essentially, this source looks at what happened in the past to breed our future attitudes and beliefs. And we value our own experiences more importantly than any other source. And so that's the first source of self-efficacy. And and we'll see how that sort of translates into this study shortly. Um, But the second source of self-efficacy is called vicarious experience. And this looks at someone perceiving their own capabilities through watching others. So, Tell me about the colleagues that you played with. As you watched them play, did you start to form any beliefs about how you would play? I looked at them. They're all older than me. And I was like, man, I want to be playing pickleball when I'm 55 that well and that Mm -hmm. active. So we have one of the the players in the group of four uh, is a really good tennis player. So he was actually like... He was able to do all the the short shots and the over-the-head stuff when you get too close and, like, mm-hmm. you could see the strategy evolving with him. And the, one of the other ones in that group was just, like, you know, the all-around athlete that you're just, like, how is your physique like that at 55 and how do you know how to play every single game very well? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're already pointing out other important sources that we use through this vicarious experience. So we look at people's identities and how they relate to ourselves. So you brought up age as one. Um, you you perceive yourself to be younger than a 55 year old, I would assume. And so that makes you believe that you probably can do it if they can as well. On the flip side, they would have more experience. So that mm-hmm. might be a negative, negative source for you. Um, but you're starting to sort of match up your skills and talents against watching others. And I tell my students this all the time, vicarious experience is the source of judgment. So how judgy can you be and how much can you work that out in your favor? So if I were to start sending you video clips of pickleball players like Corinne Carr, John Sincola, those are top players in the world, right? That's probably not going to make you feel like, oh, if I'm watching them do it, I can do it too, because you know that's their professional career. Mm -hmm. Um, Likewise, if I could go on a little brag moment for a second, I'm a bit of a local legend. I've won seven tournaments in my area before, so I'm probably not going to be like, John, uh, you know, Risto, if I can do this, you can do this too, because I play, again, way too many hours a week and train and all of that stuff as well. But if I match you up with colleagues that are, similar level of skill and physicality and commitment, then you're going to start feeling like if they can do it, I can do it too. So that's our second source of self-efficacy, two more sources. The third one is pretty simple. It looks at using feedback from others to motivate us or make us feel confident. So this is encouragement, critique, et cetera. 
So you getting feedback from somebody um, like a colleague or myself and giving you sort of that constructive, hey, Risto, you should probably work on your footwork or let's develop some strength into that swing is going to help you feel more confident in that sport. And it would help and then the... because I have a sports psychologist to <laughs> round out the, the group of four that I played with. So he was very good about motivation and positive reinforcement and a physical educator and a biomechanist. So it was a it was a very good area for me to improve my pickleball skills. That sounds like a perfect environment, all these kind of sports sciences people yeah. in this, this new sport. So very cool. Um, and then the last source um, is is a weaker source. But interestingly, um, in our in our study, it was one of the strongest sources for our participants. But this source is the emotional states source. And it looks at your physical or psychological reactions happening in your body as sort of a signal to how confident you feel. So I tell my students, um, like one of my sort of physiological reactions to being um, aroused or excited or stressed or whatever is I get sweaty palms. And so I go into class and I make somebody wipe my hand and they can see like my hand is a bit sweaty right now because before teaching, I get really pumped up and excited. And I recognize that is sort of my pre-game ritual or routine or pre-performance routine. And I recognize that in a positive way, whereas somebody else might view whatever way they react as a negative thing. So if we look at our emotional states and sort of learn to use them as a tool, either facilitating positive performance or hindering positive performance, that plays into our beliefs about how successful we can be. Very interesting and very well done in that uh, explanation of uh, self-efficacy theory. Thank you. If you're still listening, you're probably really into health and physical education. So I'm going to use this opportunity to pitch our master's program to you if you don't have your master's degree yet. Um, our 100% online master's degree program we offer at George Mason is affordable. You can do it while teaching, and it's high quality. Um, Mason was listed as one of the top 50 universities under 50 years old in the world. Our education department was ranked in the top 10 nationally for the online master's degree program in curriculum and instruction. The master's degree uh, revolves around your teaching. So you'll use assignments from the classes to immediately apply research and best practices to your classes. You'll be part of a tight-knit cohort of health and physical education professionals who are passionate about teaching. You're also going to get an opportunity to interact with students in other content areas. So if you're interested, you can email me, look me up on Twitter, or you can go on the hpewebsite.com under study with us and watch a video that I've made.